doobly doo. Welcome to Game Brain. I am Matthew Robinson, and joining me this week is our two wonderful members of our board game group. We have Jesse. Hello, I am Jesse. Jesse, what is your what is your moniker, Jesse? What do we go by? What are we calling uh, you on this? Jester, stealth mode. I don't know what. I don't know who, oh, the analytical the gamer. The analytical gamer, right. right. I always get confused because there was a lot of controversy about it. And joining us this week as well is Trey, the designer. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm just here for the conduits. Just here for the conduits because today we have a big review in front of us. A very exciting game we're yeah. excited to talk about. We have played this a lot. This game has sort of taken over our group in the past few weeks. It's sort of the only thing we're playing. And we are a bit obsessed with it and excited to talk about it today. We are reviewing... Barrage. 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 We're also Barrage. going to be, uh, this is the second to last episode in this round, uh, and the round is all about debates, and I don't necessarily know what we're talking about today. Jesse, do you want to just give us a sneak preview or a title of what our debate is going to be today? What's good for the game? What is good for the game? Doing what is good for the game. I'm ready to debate that. I'm ready. Yeah. Which side are you going to take, Trey? <laughs> take, I don't the care. opposite of Jesse. Yeah, whatever Jesse that's takes. Oh, be, that's not good yeah. for the game. 2v1. That's, two v- that's oh, awesome oh, yeah, for the game. That's good for this game. That's good for the debate game. Yeah. This is round three, turn seven. Like I said, second to last episode of this round. I'm just going to tell you right now what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. I am having what is known in the human world as an infant or a baby. Uh, My wife is having our second child uh, in about four weeks. So we are going to finish this. Yeah. With you. Mm -hmm. With me. She chose to. I don't look. Nobody gets it. Uh, Wow. In about four weeks, we're having a baby, which means... I, am, I will disappear for a couple months. You know well, the drill now. I, you know this how is my it's second, go down, yeah. the last time I disappeared for nine months, but that's because I didn't have an office. I was working from home then, Ooh. and you can't have people over with an infant who goes to bed at seven o'clock at night. I disagree, but that's fine. Well, you couldn't in our small apartment where you could hear everything and the baby would keep waking up. I still disagree with that. Oh, oh I see. You would just be that's like, the, the let the baby yes. learn to, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. All right. He's doing the debate. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, <laughs> <Not> actually. <laughs> uh, but sure, I, ha- sure, I have an office now, uh, and that's where we do all our gaming and my child does not sleep here neither of my children <laughs> live in my office yet so uh yet uh so we i think i think about three months is, is what it's going to take for me to be able to get back into gaming regularly um but what's going to happen is tom the game master is going to take over as the main host for a couple of months i'm not going to disappear i'm just going to become a regular member while i won't be doing weekly game nights for three months I think I will be able to show up once around, which is about once every two months or so, and do an episode and check in. So I will just I will just switch into regular uh, game member mode and be a part of every round, but I will not be hosting every episode. But Tom, who is more than capable and very excited and has a lot of exciting plans to take over the podcast for a few months, will keep the pod going. You are not going to lose anything. I'm handing all my gear over to him, and it is in good hands. Will he, will he turn it back over to you? That is the question. Yeah, you did use the expression takeover a yeah. number of times. This is like a succession. This, this is like succession. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I'm never going to get back into it. It's going to be a fight. I'm going to have to start my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but that's just a sneak preview of what's going to happen in the coming months. We are still here for two more episodes at least, and I'll probably do the first episode of the next round as sort of the transition, see? the handoff. It's I can't like let go. He's not going to let go. go. That's like, right. No one actually succeeds. Succession. <laughs> can I be COO? Uh, you can. Well, maybe we'll see. Right. I think you are the Kieran Culkin of the podcast, though. If we have to be honest, uh, we I'll have. Take that. You'll take it. Sure. We have a uh, lot of inside jokes for people who love Succession, which you should because it's the best game, best show on TV. Uh, we have a theme song for Game Night. It goes like this.
That really sounds like you, Jesse. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so good at stereo, too. Yeah, really good. For you uh, podcasters, make sure you get this in stereo. Who was that? We, a fan sent that in. A listener. Really? A, listener fan. a European listener. fan, right? Yes. Uh, whose name I will never try to pronounce again. Uh, thank you. Thank you really? Great. You're not going to give him a shout out? I did last week when we played oh, it. Good, okay. uh, it's good that you listened to the podcast, though. I, we, no, I got it. Behind. It's I wonderful it. that you listened. I got it. Uh, I got this it. week's game night, we played, um, one table played Barrage, because that's all we're playing these days, and I took another table, and I took on Madeira. Why am I playing Madeira? Well, it's one of my favorite games of 2013, and I had not played it in a long time, and I remembered it being absolutely brilliant and heavy as all get out and just a lovely, crazy, complicated game. It's from What's Your Game, which is a wonderful uh, European board game publisher, and they put out one game a year, and they're always pretty dang good. You can pretty much just buy them sight unseen and know you're getting a pretty great game. I think Madeira is their greatest game ever. Um, but I had not played it in probably three or four years, and I was very excited to get back to the table. And it's, I, it, I was right. It's super heavy. Like, because I, I, in 2013, I was pretty new to the hobby, so w- what I would consider heavy in 2013 is probably not necessarily what I would consider heavy today. No, this is still very heavy. This mm. is still an extremely complicated game uh, with a lot going on. And it's almost like barrage in the sense that it's a game that you, you can lose on the first turn. You can like totally blow the whole game. Um, it's from, uh, Nuno Bizarro Sensiari and Paulo, Paulo Soledad, who are the two designers behind a lot of incredible games, including Panamax and Nippon, uh, and the upcoming Brazil and artificial intelligence. I'm very excited about, but why was I wanting to play Madeira? Because next week, like I told you last week, on September 24th, the Madeira expansion is coming mm. to Kickstarter, as well as the deluxe edition of Madeira. Um, I have been told that they are going to be offering an update pack, so I don't have to rebuy the whole game. I can just buy an update pack, which will take mine to the fancy new components and add in an expansion. I, I needed to play it again to decide if I'm interested in this, if it's still a game that's going to stay in my collection. Is it? And it, it totally is, yeah. It's right. really great. It's really, I don't know. It's a I, really I good game. It's, it's really good. It. It's in the 400s on yeah, BGG no, it, rank, which yeah. is not fair at all because it, it's... I mean, listen, there's a lot of great wine games, and this is one of them. Like, it's, yeah. It's really it's, solid. It's not like anything else... It's not, it's not necessarily a wine game. Wine is, is one of the most important resources in the game, but you're, you can do a lot of different things. I think it's more about the region where Madeira right, right. Was, was produced, which is also called Madeira. Um, but it's, it's definitely one of those games that you, if, if you're only going to play this once a year or once every four years, it's not a good game to keep in your collection because every time that you play it, if you haven't played it in a year, it's a beginner game. <laughs> and right. it's like, a, oh, right. Oh, this game's really hard. Okay. So I'm hoping to get it to the table more because now that I'm familiar with it, now that like now I feel like I can play it, and I, I think it deserves I think it deserves plays. I think it's a pretty solid game. That yeah, I not, totally agree. It I has mean, not I, been replaced. I didn't play it with you this week, but I have only fond memories, and it is one of those ones that like maybe we kind of forgot for a little while, and yeah. it's, it's time yeah. to circle we played, back. We played this. Right? Yeah, you yeah, played yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually remember teaching it to you and Ben one time, I think. Oh, we played a three-player game of oh. it. Um, oh. Anyway, if you're interested, I, I really, if, if you like super heavy Euros, I'm talking super heavy. I'm talking barrage level, which we're going to get oh. into. It's a good game for our group. Yeah, it is. But I, I, it, really check out the Kickstarter next week if, if it sounds interesting to you. I have no stake in this at all. I just have stakes in good games, and I think mm. it's a good game that deserves more attention than it gets. Um, we also played Irish Gage. Uh, Irish Gage is Capstone's new entry-level train game series called, I think it's the Rail Lines series. There's a series. This is the first game in a new series of games. It's on the side of the box if you can grab it for me, Trey. Um, 
But this is a cube rails game, meaning that it's not technically an 18xx. It is a game where you are laying train lines with cubes. It is called the Iron Rail series. This is the first game in the Iron Rail series. Mm. This is a train game that plays in 45 minutes. This is fast. Um, and I've played it twice now. And the first game was just like, oh, I get what this game is. And the second game was really fun. Trey, you played it for the first time last night. What do you think of Irish Gage? I think it's a great introductory train game. Our game went by incredibly quickly. Yeah. Like so much faster than I thought. 30 to 45 would. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's almost a filler. I mean, and I, I, you could teach it in 30 seconds. I mean, very it's, meaningful decisions. Yeah. I mm. had a very tough to say, but um, you want to real quick. There's you, you basically, you're laying tr- uh, track, like right. most train which games. are little, which are these little cute, uh, you're train buying, meeples, buying stocks, auctioning stocks, like most train games, mm-hmm. you are, um, doing dividends. Yep. Like, and that's the most difficult decision I've found mm-hmm. is like when to choose to kind of trigger. Right. When you're paying out the lines you've built and, and mm-hmm. rewarding the lines you've right, built. So you kind of have a board presence and you also have a stock presence and you have cash and it's one of those whoever has the most money at the end wins kind of games. It's yeah. the, the, my only concerns of the game. It, I think it's an auction game more than anything else, more than a, a, a rail laying game or more than I, I think it is a auction game. And by auction game, I mean, it's a game where whoever is the most skillful at figuring out the exact value of things throughout the game will most likely win. Um, Closest it, to like Chicago Express. Yeah, or it, it, it actually reminds me of the estates. I mean, it feels like it's a game where like mm. there's a lot of math involved and it could almost be it could almost be solved in the sense that like there is a correct number for every bid. And if you can figure that out, you'll probably and it's a game of dollars and cents. I mean, it will come down to, you know, I think the, I think the spread was just a couple dollars between, you know, the top two people or three people in there. I mean, it was it's pretty tight. So I remember winning decisively. You actually. did. You won. You won. But it, I think it was five or six dollars. I mean, it wasn't like I, I don't think you ran away from it. You th- did you? Do you remember differently? No. Oh, that's right. You did. You did have actually probably about twenty dollars more than us, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Everybody else blur. was close. It's all Everybody blur. else was, I was kind of doing laps around the room. So it's, I think it's, it's hard to remember. I think it's interesting. It's a small box. It's a quick teach. If you're interested in train games, I I think it's worth checking out. I think it's only about thirty or forty bucks on Capstone's website. Um, it's beautiful. Ian O'Toole did all the art. Who's done all the Vita Lacerda games? So it's absolutely gorgeous. I I love the box cover art. I think it's totally beautiful and something I would like hang on a wall. Um, but yeah, Irish Gage is it's it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's Su- super fast. Yeah. Very accessible. Yeah, uh, that sort of seems, an, I really like this new trend of games that are complicated, full games in small periods of time, and it seems seems like a, a nice fit. Yeah, Doug one. Bradburn, if you're listening, this is a good game for your family. There you go. Um, last night, we played Barrage again. At uh, Tom is out of town, so I took his game night over. We played Barrage and Irish Gage again, and we will be talking about Barrage very soon. Shall we get into the news, gentlemen? Mm. Let's go to press News. A lot of app news this week. A lot of apps. Uh, Wingspan and Viticulture, two games from Stonemeyer Games. Wingspan, probably the most important game in our hobby in the last four or five years in terms of bringing new people into the fold, uh, are both coming to Steam. They've been announced uh, from two different companies. Two different people are bringing this to Steam. But it's nice to see Stonemeyer. They already have uh, they already have Scythe out on Steam and. Uh, uh, Mac as well. Um, but Wingspan and Viticulture coming. I think Wingspan is actually a really good fit for iPads and things like that. It's a very fun sort of uh, engine builder. And I, I like uh, not having to shuffle 5,000 cards. Um, 
Terraforming Mars was also a really good fit for that because of the amount of cards and the amount of time it takes to set up, sadly, that has died on the vine. Uh, but Wingspan of Viticulture, no date set yet, but coming soon. Lord of the Rings, the adventure card game is a game that I think you all should check out. Um, Lord of the Rings, the... Because you're a Lord of the Rings fan or because you like the game? Because I like the game a lot. Um, I'm also this Lord was of the, the Fantasy fan. Flight LCG? Yes, so Fantasy Flight has an LCG. The, their very first LCG ever was Lord of the Rings LCG, which is a fantastic game that was... Uh, spoiled by having a really crappy core set. The core set just wasn't fun. The adventures in it were stupid and it was way too hard. I mean, it was like it, crazy impossible hard and just like it turned a lot of people off. People fell in love with it because over time there were so many cards that came out. Um, they're still making, I mean, it's their longest running LCG and it's very successful. But this is a, this is a cooperative. Yeah. Fully cooperative, which means to like me, like Arkham Horror. To me, to yeah. me, that just means solo game, uh, maybe two player <laughs> game at most. But uh, they have, they have, made a uh, video game version of it, which is not a one-to-one -one re recreation of the card game at all. It is almost an in inspired by the card game, completely new scenarios, but using the same mechanics. If you know how to play the card game, you can learn in 30 seconds. Um, I think it's totally solid. I think it's really fun, actually. I've played a good amount of it. Um, the decisions are meaningful. The deck building is awesome and not overwhelming. The, the card pool is at a, at a size where you actually can build cool decks, but you don't feel like, okay, there's 10 million cards. I, I don't know. There's just too much. There's enough where you can actually make really cool themed decks um, and really cool like strategic decks. The game is hard, but uh, not punishing. It's, oh, I know why I lost. Oh, I know how I can. Oh, you get excited when you lose because it's like, oh, no, no, no. If I take these cards out and throw this in, this is going to be really awesome. I think it's like, $20 on Steam. Um, it is coming. It is on Mac and Steam right now. It's been an open beta, which is why I've been playing it for the last like year and a half. But it is fully launched right now, completely out there. Um, 20 bucks, maybe 30 if you want to get all the th cards that are available right now. They are going to be releasing packs over time. It's not going to be ever, you're not going to be doing any uh, blind draws. So you're not going to be fighting to get rare cards. You're going to, everybody will have the same cards, much like an LCG. Um, but it's coming to Steam and PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, That's the full name again? Lord of the Rings, the adventure card game. Adventure it is coming uh, to every console with at the end of the month. I think it's actually a great fit for Steam, and I'm excited. I mean, not Steam, sorry, uh, Switch, and I'm excited to try it there as well. Um, but it, it gets my full glowing endorsement, and we might do a review on it one day. But it's if you like LCGs, it's it's the best version I've seen yet on uh, that anybody's done. I think it's not getting the attention that it deserves. A um, couple of other app things. A uh, very popular deck builder that I've never played called Eons End, which is spelled A E O N and is coming to PC uh, and Mac on September 17th and then to tablet and iPad at the end of the month on the 30th. Uh, it's being brought to you by a company called Handelabra, who is also currently working on the Spirit Island app, which I know a lot of people are excited about. Um, I've never played Aeon's End. I'm not interested in owning more deck builders, but I'm always interested in playing deck builders on my iPad uh, because I, once again, I don't have to shuffle 500 cards and deck builders suck to get on the table. There's just, it, there's a lot of setup. Okay, I've got to find this deck and this, it just takes forever, but I'm always down to try a new one on an iPad and I'm sure I'll check this one out as well. Um, the biggest exciting app news of the week is Through the Ages, which I think is definitively the best board game adaptation uh, as an app that exists right now has announced its first ever expansion, not announced, it has launched its first ever expansion called Leaders and Wonders, which has exactly what it sounds like. It has leaders, new leaders and new wonders in there. It has launched uh, last week. It is $5. I have not bought it yet, but I'm going to. Um, no word yet on when a physical version of it's coming out, but they have said it is. The exact same thing will come to physical first. It's interesting that they're floating it first on the app, which is I mean, this is a board game that's been out since 2011 or 9 or 10, something like that. Um, 
and now the app is getting an expansion first, which is interesting. But I, th I think the app is a huge hit and extremely popular, and it and it's totally worth worth the hype that it has because it is so awesome and fun. And that's also a beast to get to the table in a very long game. Um, and this just like does does all the hard work for you, and it's super fun and interesting. Um, so check so, that out. So you're saying that, that Leaders and Wonders doesn't exist as a board game right, expansion right. yet? Nope. It is only digital right now. You cannot go out and buy the new Leaders and Wonders cards. You can only play it as a $5 download on the app. But the, they said it's coming. I would imagine Essen, although they have not confirmed yet, and Essen is pretty soon for them to not have confirmed that. Um, out of the app news, the only uh, board game news of the week is Climbers Family Edition. Climbers is a fun semi-dexterity game where you're building a giant uh, tower out of blocks and climbing up. It's mostly a negotiation game as you are um, trying to make deals with people and then stabbing them in the back. But they have announced the Family Edition, uh, which is going to be less pieces, faster playing time, and cheaper price, only $40. The, I think Climbers is about 60 or 70 because there's a lot of wood involved in it. Um, I don't necessarily feel like it's a long game, so I don't know what faster means, but maybe just simpler. I mean, the, the rules are kind of crappy for the climbers. They're just a little vague, and they're not, they, they, they've not done a great job of sort of clarifying them. So maybe, maybe this is just sort of a streamlined version of it. It is a pretty simple game, yeah. but it's abstract, and so you actually have very difficult decisions with a very simple rule set. Totally. Um, on the Kickstarter front, Yido Deluxe Master Set uh, has a few days left to go. Yido is a, uh, let's see, I'm going to try to give you some correct information about it. It is a two to five player game with a weight of 3.0. It is from two designers who games I have not, I'm not familiar with, but it is, uh, it is a pretty popular game and it, it, people have enjoyed it. It came out originally, I think in 2012, and they are now releasing sort of a deluxe fancy version, which is on Kickstarter right now, a few days left. Um, it looks like a uh, mainly a worker placement game with uh, some hand management and auction. I'm just reading off the mechanisms right now on BGG. <laughs> um, but I did watch the video of it. It's beautiful. The components are gorgeous. Um, the theme is exciting. I, yeah, check it out if you're interested in all that. It's on Kickstarter's week. The last thing on Kickstarter is District 9, the board game. This is from Weta, who uh, is the effects house for most of the Lord of the Rings movies and stuff. And they have made two board games now. The last board game they made was this giant mech game, which um, did not interest me. Um, and now they are doing District 9 as well, which is, of course was a Weta uh, production. Um, it looks like your typical uh, people on a map game. Um, asymmetrical powers, people on a map with the theme of District 9. I'm not wildly interested in it, but if you are the biggest District 9 fan in the world, um, I think it's worth taking a look. There is probably about a week left by the time you're hearing of this on the, uh, on the uh, app. Uh, but so I, but I am interested in Weta doing things. I mean, they make incredible productions and have brilliant creative minds there, and I'm, I'm always going to check out what they... Commercial are. experiences as well. Yeah. They do it's, a lot of different things. Totally. It's a little bit like Riot doing a board game. Absolutely, yeah. No, I just think it's cool that they're in that space. Um, last bit of news for the week. Monopoly uh, has been um, in, the, in the board game news recently. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but they, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on over there at Hasbro. So they did, they did a Monopoly socialism recently, <laughs> which got, I think they're like, I think they're taking the Trump approach of like bad news is bad press is still press. Like, and now they've released uh, Ms. Monopoly which is uh, claiming to be the first game ever where women make more than men and has been 
a bit lambasted, not just by the typical people you'd think who are needlessly offended by... By, by humans? Yeah, but, but it has been... Uh, <laughs> feminists as well have been coming out. As this, this is ridiculous. I mean, if, if you're a woman in the game, when you pass go, I think you get $200. And if you're a man, you get 100 or something. I mean, oh, it's, wow. it's, it's just sort of like clickbait stuff. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they actually expect... Really, you just bit. You well, no, but, but bit the hook I, no, no, the reason I bite it because the New Yorker has written a really interesting article called oh, the, I'm sorry. the Misplaced Feminism so of, it's of le- Ms. Monopoly. It's legit. Yeah. So I, 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 Google the Misplaced Feminism of Ms. Monopoly. Uh, there's a or great, don't or don't. Well, it's, it, it's a great New Yorker article. That's a really interesting take on the history of Monopoly, which was actually originally okay. uh, uh, designed by a woman right. as well um, as an anti-capitalist statement. And uh, and so there's there's some irony in this now being Ms. Feminism as if it. Yeah. Anyway, who's credited in Monopoly? Uh, the original monopoly because I don't think it was her. I no. think it was taken by a, a, a man. Oh, oh, 100%. No, no, no. Yeah, it was bought for a really cheap price and uh, her name was completely erased from it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole history there and there's some good articles about that yeah. if you want to go look at those, Jesse. Okay. Um, yes, Charles right Darrow is uh, the person who I believe stole the design or paid her Charles a very Darrow. small amount and then took a name of it and Elizabeth Men. Elizabeth J. Maggie is the original designer of Monopoly. Those are the perfect names for that whole dynamic. That is... <laughs> Charles Darrow. Damn exactly. Damn uh, Charles let's move Villain. On. Let's move on to Games on the Brain. Games. Games. games we like to play these are games stuck on our brains oh baby no idea who sent that but absolutely love it what happened to the sound yeah i know it got a little weird it's been happening lately um things that i am uh obsessed with this week does anybody else have any games on the brain before i do mine i talk a lot on this podcast it's your podcast go for it okay guys well i look every time an lcg comes out i go i don't need another lcg in my life and every once in a while i end up Deciding I need another LCG in my life. <laughs> Marvel Champions Living Card Game. Look, it's just it's just Arkham with, with a Marvel spin on it. But that's enough. <laughs> I, I'm into it. It looks cool. Um, to me, it's a solo game, maybe two player at most. But it, it's a game I'm interested in playing solo. So I, 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 there's a company called Team Covenant who does a great subscription service mm-hmm. to LCGs. All you do is just sign up and then you never have to think about it again. And every time a new thing comes out for that product, they just send it to you. So it's sort of, you know, uh, well, what Netflix used to be where you just sort of get sent movies. Um, yeah, and you do, you, you use Team Covenant a lot, right? I use Team Covenant. I still get all the Arkham Horror. I've, I've, but it's nice because like with the LCGs, you sort of play this game where like, oh, oh shoot, I haven't bought a pack in like three months and then you check and they're sold out and you're like, well, that's annoying. Like, all right, you know, and then they take forever to reprint. So it's just sort of, if you're really into the LCG and you just want to make sure you get every new release for it, you don't have to think about it. It just, and it's a nice surprise. You check your mail and you go, oh, there's a new pack out. Oh, Mm -hmm. cool, let's try it out. Um, So I signed up for their Marvel Champions card game. I will stick with it for a couple months and see if it's interesting at least get the core set. Well, the nice thing about this one, it's the first LCG. And I talked about this previously, the first LCG, the fantasy flight has put out wherein you do not have to buy multiple core sets to get the right number of cards in the game. So right. they've usually done this thing where they'll give you the most powerful cards. They only give you one of, and then if you want to have three of what you need to have a complete deck, you have to buy three core sets and the third core set. You're literally probably spending $40 to get about seven cards, which mm. is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's just, it's just highway robbery. Right. Um, this is the first time ever where one core set, you get the, the maximum amount of cards for each card that you could possibly need. Um, the only reason to buy more core sets is if the group you're playing with wants to play the same cards in, this, in, in two different decks. Yep. A little bit of game news yep. that didn't 
cover earlier is along this line of the uh, Fantasy Flight Games LCG kind of model here. They have announced in an AMA that they will be discontinuing the chapter pack model for Game of Thrones. Oh, So a lot of rumors about the game is dead. Um, Does that mean they're just going to be doing big boxes, deluxe boxes? That's right. And then even that's kind of vague. We know we're owed a Targaryen box. And then yeah. the, the question is, are they switching more to a model of L5R, which is not chapter packs, but like larger um, products that come out? Or are they just done because there's not enough people playing. So that's so your that's your game. You you've been following. I got you into that and then I abandoned it and you stuck around. I'm still there. And unlike I the, don't have Team Covenant, so I'm, you know, every time a pack comes out, I'm there on and it comes out on Thursday, I'm there on Friday at its game time. Right. Picking it up before going to Tom's. And are you how is the scene? Is it still there? Is there still a tournament scene? Is there still a competitive scene? The, the tournament scene is is fantastic. The community is fantastic and there's been a nice shift from kind of like Fantasy Flight sponsor events which are like under attended now to right. community driven events that are incredibly well attended in fact like right now as we are making this podcast the uk thrones war tournament is going on people from around the world are tra- have traveled to england in order to compete in a team-based event this war for- format which originated here in southern oh, california right. yeah, i remember you telling me about that yeah but i've been to a couple of times paul's been to once and was too sick to play right um, i remember that but it's a the, the community is still going and it um have fantastic events and they're actually looking at how does the community continue the game Mm. once the publisher is no longer supporting it and that could very well happen here right yeah well netrunner netrunner died i mean like there's still people who play it but the the scene is dead and that great game and 10 10 out of 10 i I could not love a game more than netrunner and they fantasy flight just killed it Mm. and but they are i guess they're relaunching it in some form i don't know but yeah i mean it's a business it is, but I see that to me is the like. Don't you, I don't know. To me, what I would what I would love is I actually like what it, I, I wish they would launch a uh, LCG where they'd only release deluxe boxes. You know, like I'd love to just have a core set, and that's all we have for like a year. And hopefully, there's enough awesomeness in that core set where you can get a great scene going, and there's enough deck building. Then maybe once or twice a year they release a big box with a whole bunch of cards that mixes things up. But that to me is like. Even if three years, four years later, you get into the game and you missed it when it first came out, you're, you can get in. You know, it's like, right. okay, I, now I, buy, I have to buy the core set and four deluxe boxes and I'm where everybody else is. That to me is like a sustainable model. But this thing of like, oh, I just found out about this game. I want to get in. I'm sorry, what? It's $500 to get? No, I'm good. I'm fine. Thank you. Like yeah, that, that, that kills the game. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they had a, you know, a cycle system was the idea that they would yeah. you know, rotate stuff out. Yeah. In fact, they like the game's possibly going to end without them ever like getting right to the point where they're going to start to rotate. <laughs> right. So like that rotation cycle needed to be yeah. a lot tighter because I, I think the problem with what you're talking about where you would just have a box and play it for a year is I feel like most players will feel like the, the a meta will kind of crystallize yeah. and you need a kind of a regular drip drop of new cards coming in or a new restricted list coming in that will change the meta because that, that constantly changing yeah. meta is what players are kind of interested in. And like the landscape has changed. Now, how do we react to it? Yeah. So you can't just have a static game for 12 months and expect that to continue to kind of like excite people. So to me that like, 
I, I, I don't think I'll ever get into another competitive LCG because of that problem. I just think I've seen the cycle too many times now. I know the whole cycle. I know that this will be dead in four years. I know we'll reach a point. Like, I, I'm just, that's why something like Marvel Champions is more exciting to me because it's a solo game. It's, it, there's no competitive scene. It's just, I, I can buy what I want yeah. and I can play on my table and I could play, I could have a friend over and teach them and we can play. And there's no, like, you can't really do that with Thrones because it's like, well, I'm in the competitive scene. So, I'm going to invite no, a friend you, over, but you do need I'm to get gonna... in. You need to get in at the beginning or, or not. Yeah. To me, this was like, this was a great ride. I have so totally. many great friends yeah. from the community here. I've been to great events. It's still going. So it was completely worthwhile for me. Yeah. And I never, ever felt as I did, you know, when you're playing magic back in the day, it was like, oh, I can't really play with these other people because I can't afford to play mm. with these people. I always could. I'm playing the same cards they're playing. Well, that's, so. that's I, see, I like the magic format, not not the legacy format, but the draft format. I think it'd be fun if there was some sort of an L. Like, I guess that's why I kind of got into Keyforge because it's like I could just show up at a tournament, buy a deck, and play. I don't have to know anything. There's no meta. I don't have to get into anything. I, I, yeah, and I love the deck building. Yeah, like, right. I and, love right. The deck building. But like, that's what I like about the draft system of Magic is I show up. And I don't have to, I could have not played for four years. I show up, I buy 10 packs and, you can and, play, yeah. and I can play because I know how the game works and I know how to build a good deck. And like, to me, I don't know, there'd be some fun version. If there's something in between Keyforge and Game of Thrones that, that they're working on, I would be excited about that. Cool. Um, I do have a game on the brain. Tell me. Um, uh, Blood in the Clock Tower. Yes. So this is a... When uh, is that shipping? Do we know? It's uh, 2020. Soon. I think oh, it's so in we January. Wait, okay. does it actually just said somewhere? Okay, I'll look um, it up. You talk. I'll look it up. Uh, so, social reduction game, um, more in the style of Werewolf, um, and made quite popular in our hobby by Shut Up and Sit Down. Uh, Shut Up and Sit Down's Quentin Smith calling it his number one game of all time. Yeah, um, I have to say it's my favorite social reduction game. I, I how many I, times have I you played it. it now, Jesse? I've I've hosted about. Four Three or four nights. I'm hosting again tonight. Give us the basic stats. How many people? How long? It's like seven to forty, or I think it says like seven to fifteen. On uh, wait, I don't know. It's a pretty big range. A minimum of seven, though. Yeah. Okay. I think so. It's an Avalon style game. With go ahead. You no you, no you know it too. Right? No, I haven't played it. Um, I'm, I'm dying to play it. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. I how long? How long does it take? <laughs> um, like an hour, hour and a half. Uh, like the whole like and that includes the explanation and the setup and everything. Now there's a bit of onboarding with this because you have to know everybody has a role. So in you know a werewolf they 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 added some roles and stuff like that. And this one they don't want anyone to just be a townsperson. So everybody does something. Um, you know the knights are the knights are different. The knights are silent, complete silence. And the person who's narrating, is, who's actually the storyteller, they, they sort of like tiptoe around everywhere. And, and you don't say, hey, wake up, blah, 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 because some people aren't activated unless something else triggers. And people aren't supposed to know when something like that is triggered. Um, but it, I, I love it. It's just the, it is not as accessible. Have as you only one. been the storyteller? Yes. You have not been a player. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Would you enjoy being a player? Yeah. Okay. So paint the picture here, because I've walked, I've seen it played at Gen Con, you know, recently. And so if you see this game, there will be a person almost like a maestro. Yeah. He's got standing, a grimoire. He's got he's this got box. He's got the grimoire, which is the box is kind of like um, designed as a book. Yeah. Excuse me. That folds, grimoire. That yeah. folds out. And then you almost have like a felt lined interior where you are tracking the roles and the stuff in the game. Yeah. You know, almost like behind a dungeon master screen. Right. So everyone has these like tokens that you give them out randomly and then you give them back to uh, the, the, the storyteller and he puts them in this grimoire. I don't have the grimoire. 
I have a cardboard box. Right, because you, you've done, you've, you've done a print and play version. I did a print and play it's version not out of this, yet. yeah. And I use a notebook. And I is don't that have allowed? All of, Are they fine with that? They don't mind? I think they're totally fine with it. Um, okay. I mean, you've already bought it. By the, the way, I did buy it. I'm supporting them. Um, but they also have this really cool uh, thing on their site where you can um, plug in which, char- which roles you want, and it'll, you can print out who's in there and when, when to queue everybody each night. Oh, nice. It's awesome. It seems like this could be an, an app could be useful here. Maybe if everybody um, had on their phones or I don't know. Maybe. By the way, when, I, when people come over, I print out like a cheat sheet of all the roles and we go over all of them. I also give it to people on their, on their phones. Right. Because, so, you know, if somebody's, you know, the bad guys, they're not looking all the way at the bottom of the page. You know, they right. can just look on their phone and, you know, see what the role does. But um, when we first start explaining the rules, like just going through each of them, people are like really like they're daunted. They're just like, oh, my God, what are, what are we getting into here? Yeah. Yeah. But when we play it, people are like, let's do this again. Like, and you'll do that, it. right? When you when you host, do you run it two or three times yeah. a night? Yeah. yeah. It's a tough it's a tough player count. I mean, needing seven people. I mean, it's like a it's like almost throwing like a murder mystery party at your house or something. Yeah. Like it's an event. But Except this, it's fun. Yeah, I think this is different than sure. sorry, than like Avalon. And I think this is more of the werewolf type of Well, this is yeah. a whole night. This is this not is, like a filler before game night. No. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's, it's a day not, and night format. So at night, you but know, like you go, you go to a convention, you see people playing werewolf at 3 a.m. Right. And it yeah, can yeah. be 40 people or whatever. I'm just saying like, yeah. it's a different mentality yeah. here than just, yeah, we're going to, we have seven for tonight's game night. Let's play Adelaide. It's not a filler. Right. Yeah. Could be. We could potentially do it in our like eight person, you know, game right. night, but that, yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. that's the minimum. I would say it's the minimum. We need right. more people. Okay. Well, I'm excited to try it. Yeah. Any games on your brain, Trey? Um, barrage. Yeah. Like, well, you know, we're going to get to that. We're going to be there in about 30 seconds. Um, I know Burgle brothers too, just kind of completed super successful on yep. Kickstarter. You two hours game. Congrats to them. Um, very successful there. Been watching all the, I'm, I see you on the list here. You have what we're waiting for Dune. Yeah. Dune, uh, I think is September 27th is when it comes out. So, and I've pre-ordered it. So hopefully I'll get it by the end of the month, just in time to leave. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, still very much excited for Tapestry. It's coming. I will be, it's FedEx says delivery on Friday. Hopefully it comes earlier, but I'm very excited. Trey, are you interested in Tapestry? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I've, I've watched the... I feel like you're going to hate it. I don't Have know why. Have you played it? No. <laughs> I mean, I tend to like Civ games yeah. and, you know, progression engine builders. So I, I'm really excited to see kind of like oh, a Civ game condensed. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So Jesse, have you watched any videos or seen much about it? No, I, just from what little I've heard of it, I'm, I'm interested. I want to play it, but cool. I, I haven't really dug into it very well. Well, we will definitely be getting it in the next week and playing it a bunch, I'm sure. And I hopefully will, I'm, I'd like it to be one of our last reviews before I take off. Okay. 8x8 um, challenge. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing we can say. We should put Barrage that. on there. I, we should put every game that we're playing did, did on we there. Did we make a mistake with Gloomhaven? Is it not going to happen? I don't know I why don't you guys know. put that on there. I don't know. We, I, I think we know. did it to force ourselves to play it, yeah. which is weird because I'm sure there's plenty of people out there saying, like, why won't you play Gloomhaven? It's so great. It's I not. I don't think it's conducive to this. Our, it doesn't our, really fit It our seems like it's not. And I've already played way. it. Like, it seems weird to start a whole new thing with you guys doing the same scenarios I've already done. You too. I don't know. Shall we review 
Let's review a game yeah. called Barrage. Let me give you the stats on Barrage. Barrage came out this year. It was kick, Kickstarter was in it for last year. It just delivered in the past month or so. It plays one to four players. It has a current BGG weight of 3.91. The Ooh. designers are Tommaso Batista, and this is his first design. And the co-designer is Simone Luciani, who I am now saying, this is a big deal, guys, what I'm about to say. I know what you're about to say. Simone Luciani is now my favorite board game designer. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what Simone Luciani has designed. Zolkin, Voyages of Marco Polo, Grand Austria Hotel, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, and now I just had to buy his, the only game I don't own of his, which is Newton, which I'm excited to try. I mean, it's a good list. Zolkin, Marco Polo, Grand Austria Hotel, Lorenzo, and Barrage. That's nuts. It's insane. That's like Spielberg. Like that's that's those are all my favorite games. Isn't now. there like a collective of these guys that are kind of tag teaming? There is an games? Italian. I won't say the word mafia. Wow. Uh, there is an Italian. There is an Italian uh, contingent of designers who make amazing medium heavy board games. Yeah. Like, like literally heavy, medium weight board games, and they're all fantastic. This barrage is the heaviest game of this designers of of this whole scenes uh, designs yet that I've seen. Um, the artist is Antonio De Luca, uh, and the publisher is Cranio Creations. Now, before we get into the review, <laughs> we need to discuss some of. And I hate to use the word controversy. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds of this because I don't. I don't care enough. The components are not up to snuff for a hundred dollar game. Okay, this oh, was, was a hundred dollar game. This was a hundred dollar game with shipping. Uh, the components are lackluster. I had to do a lot of work to get them good. My copy is fine. Plays 100% fine. My box is split at all four corners. You will see tape on mm. all four corners of my box. Um, when oh, wow. the wheels were delivered, you use these wheels to track the resources moving in the game. They were all warped beyond comprehension. I took them apart. I took all the pieces of the wheels apart and I left them underneath heavy, heavy dictionaries for 48 hours. That solved them. They're fine. I put them back together. They're flat. They're perfect. I had one of my player boards completely split and come apart and had to glue it back together. All the corners of every piece of cardboard look smushed and weird. You'll see wrinkles on the corners of almost every single piece of cardboard in the game. The components are not up to snuff for what you paid. That being said, the game is absolutely magnificent and I could care less about the components right now. Now, I will also say this. The amount of negativity and toxicity that I saw on Board Game Geek and the Kickstarter regarding this shocked me like the i just don't like the amount of like hate and vitriol and nastiness that people came out with i just have a hard time believing that these are like zolkin fans like when i think of people who play like zolkin and marco polo they're pretty complicated awesome games i just feel like you're gonna find like pretty level-headed rational people i just can't imagine that like zolkin fans like the people were like giving death threats and like it was it was like it felt like i was on 4chan or something you can also look at the ratings yeah, and, no, and the, the people ratings they, they tend bombed to be it. Eight, nine, ten, or one. Well, because then you get into this <laughs> stupid BGG war of the one, of people doing ones and then all these people doing tens to counteract the ones and it just becomes. Right, right. Well, nightmare. the tens might actually be legit. Most of them were. No, you'll see. Like, it was a whole thing. The people oh, okay, were yeah. bombing them with tens and bombing them with ones. Right. Um, it just got nasty. And I ended up really siding with the publisher on this. They did their best. They made some mistakes. I don't fault them. And they did their best. They made, they made mistakes. They've, they've said, we made mistakes. They're going to replace all the wheels. They're sending everybody new wheels. Wow. They're replacing the water drops that they sent, which are a joke uh, and are impossible to pick up. And I've never used them. And I bought my own water drops. Oh, I didn't um, realize that we were playing. We yeah, no, the ones they water. gave were literally pieces of little like ju- crystal, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. ridiculous. You can't pick them up. 
You literally right, right, can't right. pick them up. I mean, they kind of look pretty, and that, I think that was the idea. Right, yes. right, right. Like they did their best. Look, they're human beings. This is not a major corporation. This is not like you know Google putting out a board game. This is like a bunch of people who started a board game company. Like people need to realize that this is a niche hobby. Made people this is very hard to do. Yeah, I mean, I know a number hard. of people who have who've made board games, published their own board games. It's a lot of work. If the game so sucked, much. I'd be like, I want my money back because it's not nice yeah. and the game sucks. It doesn't suck. Let's get into the game. That's all I'm saying on the components. Get over I, it. Yeah, I will say what, the game is worth the effort yeah. it takes to fix the components. First time I played it and I hadn't, I didn't know anything about the history of this, but I was like, whoa, this, I love this game. And I was like, what's the BHG rating? Yeah. And it was like 6.5. I was yeah. like, what? I didn't know all the controversy. Apparently it rose from five point something. And now it's like a, a 7.5 or something. So it is yep. starting to come around. I rated it last night. Um, I think it's, I think it's a nine or a 10. I'm with you. Let's get into the basics. Let me tell you a little bit about Barrage. Um, the weakest part to me of this game is the theme. I think the theme is bizarre and totally pasted on. Uh, so I'm going to read you the theme of the game. In the dystopic 1930s, the Industrial Revolution pushed the exploitation of fossil-based fuel uh, resources to the limit. And now the only thing powerful enough to quench the thirst for power of the massive machines and of the unstoppable engineering progress is the unlimited hydroelectric energy provided by the rivers. Now, let me just explain what that means. So this is a game where you are all fighting over waterways and rivers and basins of water in order to turn the water into hydroelectricity. Whoever CEOs of international companies. Right. So there are four. There, well, there's four countries in the game, not even companies, countries. There's USA. International companies. Right. USA, France, uh, Italy, and Germany. And you take on one of these asymmetrical companies and you try to make the most money uh, building dams, uh, gathering machinery, and, right. and controlling patents. Right, but then they, they've slapped on this very bizarre steampunk steampunk thing where like the characters have robot arms. Like, look, I look, I actually don't mind it. Like, it's just, but it just feels there's no reason for it. The work, the, instead of just having cubes for your resources, there's little mechs, um, which are very fiddly I, and hard to pick up. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I just I, think it's. I think it's a skin. They didn't clearly, they but I don't mind it at all. I, I prefer looking at this style than maybe just what a bland, yeah. you know. Yeah, they, I think they just didn't want to. I think originally the game was probably just a game about. And also, I think if you're going to do a 1930s game set in the Swiss Alps where people are fighting over power, it's a little hard not to recognize that that power is probably being used to fund the Nazis in oh World God. War II. <laughs> <laughs> right, so maybe that's what they're doing. Alternate timeline. I think, no, I think an idea. I honestly think that's exactly what they're like, oh, we want to make a game about hydroelectricity um, in the 1930s. Oh, yeah, we have to make it sci-fi because otherwise uh, Germany is going to be using that power for other things. Yeah, I, yeah the, I'm of two minds here because I think the theme of water cascading down the multi-level mm -hmm. map with dams, uh, power stations, conduits, love that theme. And I, I think that they felt like, oh, that's not sexy enough. Mm -hmm. So we got to dress it up in yeah. the steampunk thing. And yeah. the steampunk thing to me doesn't work. I also don't care uh, at all, but they right. clearly felt like this is not like they had to do something. Now, I, I, it hadn't occurred to me about the the Nazi thing, right? I think that's, it that's interesting. But it never yeah. occurs to me the Nazi thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse, do you want to just tell us tell us what this game feels like? Tell us about how you play this game. All right. Well, so you've got this this board said it's like this the Swiss Alps, and uh, there's th roughly three lanes. Well, it starts with kind of like four. There's four sort of you know water head yeah head uh, water headwaters waterheads. 
It's like headways. frozen glaciers that are yeah. melting. It's yeah. where the water starts before it pours down the mountain. That, that flows into generally three lanes, okay? And then you've got three horizontal stages, which are these different elevations of the plains and then the hills and then the mountains, which dictate the cost of these buildings. Right. It's harder. It's more expensive to build something in, in the, the mountains, mountains than it is in the plains. Right. Um, and then throughout these regions, there's these, these 10 basins, which are building, um, you know, all these different structures. And so, so the four main structures are you've got the dams, which are going to stop a unit of water. Okay, you're going to block it. From flowing downhill. Right. From water flowing is downhill. actually a resource that you're tracking that's flowing down this the river. This is all about water. This yeah. is a brutal game about water. And it is a shared resource, and it is super scarce. Yeah, you're fighting. It's a war for water. Yeah. Um, so you've got the base dams where you're going to block a unit of water. You can build elevated dams, one to two more, to block up to three units of water. Right. The higher the dam, the more water it can hold. Right. And then you've got these conduits, which are transferring uh, the water to another basin, which is running through a, uh, a power plant, which is turning that water into energy, which you're going to track at the top of the board, which is going to give you cash and, and victory points and allows you to turn in contracts. And so, yeah, uh, so to me, the easy, if you're trying to visualize this game right now, and, and if you're familiar with Gaia Project or Terra Mystica, there's a couple things that are, that are uh, uh, clearly uh, uh, inspired from that. So the first one is your player board, which is going to have all your buildings on it, right? And as you build the buildings, it unlocks more powers, just like in Terra Mystica or in Gaia Project. It also unlocks income. So if you build up a certain track of buildings, meaning if I build far on my dams, right. now I'll have more income every round. I'll get these resources. I'll get points. I'll get things like that. If you build your powerhouses all the way up to the third powerhouse, it unlocks your asymmetrical superpower, just like building you know, the big university or whatever in Gaia Project will unlock your, 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 your civilization's big superpower as well. So it, it's very similar to that. The other similarity between Terra Mystic and Gaia Project is the round-by-round -round scoring. So every round, something new will be scored, just like Terra Mystica or Gaia Project. So things like five points for every base you have, five points for every conduit, you know, things like that are going to be scored every round. And, but an interesting thing in this game is you are not eligible to score that unless you have produced a certain amount of energy every round, turned enough water into energy. And it gets harder and harder as the rounds go on. Um, so that, that, that's a, a very interesting part of the game as well yeah. to me. And so... You know about that water sort of that loop of you know, you're going to build your your dams and the things and the conduit and the power plant and the energy and then the water well where does the water go then this is this is this is the game the water is either going to be wasted it's going to yeah. run off the board or maybe you were savvy enough to uh run the water you know to set up another uh dam and whole system that you could channel it right back into your own system and, yeah. and run it next round so that's the thing too when water or, is used it doesn't disappear. It flows past it flows. your thing and then could be picked up by somebody else. Or water you can flow it right into your opponent. Yeah. And right. And this is the dance of this game is, you, you know, you got a system going and do you, uh, you, your, your opponent has a better system. Do you go block him or do you try and benefit from what he's creating? And this is constantly happening. This little like chess game happening with four people. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's, it's a, just a great dance. Some other elements in the game you want to talk about, Trey? This is a worker placement game. Thank you very much. Um, so we've got the map, which Jesse just described. Uh, half the game is actually like how you take your actions yep. in the game. You start out with 12 engineers, and unlike a lot of other games, this is finite. That's it. There's no uh, family growth. There's no family growth. You're not expanding that. That said, there is kind of something like that in that you, every time, you, so the actions are going to be divided between um, and I've, there's probably correct terms of this, but the, there's ones you take on your 
own, own board mm-hmm. versus the ones that you're competing for right. in the, the central board. The building of buildings is all done by uh, putting workers on your own board. It's not, you're not fighting for that. And in fact, it's not in, so the thing that's, I think, super unique about this game is the way they use a rondel. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah, tell most, us about the rondel. The construction wheel. Yeah. The construction wheel. Because in most games, like say you're playing Agricola or most other worker placement games and you want to take a certain action, I'm going to build a dam. And so you'll go to the build a dam spot or something. Yep. In this game, it's on your own board. And rather than, okay, I'm building a room in Agricola, I'm going to spend a certain amount of wood and a certain amount of reed, and then I spend it and it goes right. away. In this game, you're, you're, you're not actually tracking like resources that you spend and that it goes away. It's more that you have two different kinds of units, cement mixers and... Uh, Basically, the brown workers will build your base dams. They look like mechs. Yeah, yeah. the little machinery resource so yeah, workers. you're allocating your, another kind of workers on your own board. So like when I'm building a dam, that's going to cost I believe me they're excavators, excavators and cement mixers. Depending on where, yeah. as Jesse was talking about, like there's the plains, there's the hills and the mountains. If I'm building a dam in the plains region, that's going to cost me three excavators. But rather than spend them, they're going to go on my wheel. So like... This is an, the wheel is an expression of time. So I build the dam, and now those, those excavators aren't going to come back to me until I've taken six right. actions. But the building is instantly built. The you don't have to waste the building. Instantly built, but like you're, you've done a series of actions now that go into this wheel, and your, your workers are kind of like captured until they're freed mm-hmm. from the wheel. And this is kind of an expression of, yeah. of time, and you have to manipulate your own rondel. Um, you can do what now? Sorry. The wheel. I'm really, I'm really good at this. <laughs> the wheel. The wheel is the whole game to me. The wheel is the thing that you are wrestling with this whole game. And I've never seen this in a game before, where resources are not spent. When I build something, I don't spend them. I just lose them for a long for time. Long, yeah. And, yeah. And then how long it is is sort of dependent on how much money I want to spend to speed it up, or how well I built my engine to actions. speed through it. Right. So, so you can you can turn that wheel by taking another build action. Yeah. So that'll rotate another sixth. Or you can go to the market and take one of those spots where you could rotate it. Uh, you could spend you $5 could to rotate it three to, times. You could, yeah, one to three times. Or contracts will also you know, help you turn right. that wheel. So let's talk about contracts. Somebody tell me about contracts in this game. Um, contracts are a huge part of this game. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's a really good strategy. I mean, basically, you go and pick up contracts, and they're basically giving you bonus moves. When you turn an energy... You've got to... When you generate energy. Did we explain exactly how that works? Uh, well, yeah, it moves through the conduit. Yeah. When it goes through the power plant... The water. Then right. it so, becomes, say you, so say you've got three water in your three-struck yeah, dam. Yeah. You run it through a three-power conduit that's going to generate nine energy. Right, three times three. There can be other modifiers. Right. And then, so we'll look at this and say, okay, this, gener- this, this production of water generated 11 energy. We're gonna track that on yep. the board. And then Jesse would be able to fulfill a contract of up to 11 points that you had acquired through right. another worker And you can only complete action. one, no matter how many contracts you yeah, have. You have or, a special power. But yeah, right. you can do one contract. And that contract will give you cash, victory points, water, uh, more, workers. more workers, anything like that. And so the contracts are, are kind of like bonus moves when you when you turn when you when you create energy when you generate energy yeah. i think they're absolutely necessary yeah. i think if i think if you ever produce water and you don't complete a contract you're you, not doing you've, it right. you've yeah. lost and yeah. especially if it's on one of the round bonuses it's all the more reason to be going heavy on contracts yeah. this is totally a game of action efficiency and if you, if yep. you are not getting everything out of every action you are not competitive yeah it is a brutal game so i'm i'm going to uh, 
I'm going to give a couple comparisons. What to me, what let's talk about what this game feels like to me. This feels like age of steam to me in the sense that it gives me the experience of being absolutely and utterly miserable the entire <laughs> game, but in the best really, possible yeah. way. It's stressful, it but is, it's lovely. It <laughs> is painful. You are The game should be called, well, I've lost because that's what you say every action. I mean, like every single moment of this game, I'm going, well, I completely blew the whole game. And you, I mean, you're always feeling like you are under the gun, that you are way behind. Every piece of every water is the most valuable thing in the world. You are fighting over it. You're looking at spots on the board and going, my whole game is over if somebody builds a dam yeah. there before I do. My, like, I've built, I mean, you're just, this game is about, uh, it, it, so it, much like Age of Steam, the real, it feels like Age of Steam to me is if there are three players who have played the game one time and one player who has never played it, the three players who have played it only one time will absolutely destroy <laughs> the new player. Right. Now, if you've played it 10 times, yeah. and you've got somebody who's never played it, it's going to be the most miserable experience that fourth player has ever had yeah. in their entire life. This is a game that it, there is no luck in this game. There is no, mm. this is Well, the luck is in very what other little. people decide to do you know, the, when they weren't paying attention. But this is a game of skill in which the better you are, there, you cannot, you're just going to get trounced in this game. So this is not a fun game to play with new players. Uh, it's a heavy game. There's a lot going on. I think we've identified this game. Like it's, it's really good for our group, but it will drive some people crazy. If you have low patience for analysis paralysis, oh, yeah. this game will generate tons of it. That because your said, decision space is, can be pretty large. That being said. Especially the new expansion that we were just playing with. That was the, that was the first time. With four players. Who have all played this game before three hours yeah not longer not four not five i mean like we, i've there's uh, like uh tricarion tricarion's a four to five hour game yeah Tricarion is a long beast, game beast. like there are even age of steam age of steam could be a four hour game i mean there are there are games of this heaviness to me are usually longer than three hours so this is actually a, a really positive and i actually checked I, I timed it last night i mean we literally got four player game with full expansion Completely done in three hours. Did that include setup? No, setup was probably another twenty minutes. <laughs> setup serious. Setup is no joke in this game. Yeah. But from the time we started playing, from the time we started picking roles and everything, I mean, yeah, including yeah. that, exactly three hours, which is to me very short for a game of this complexity. You can do it in any game night, which is the, the games that are this heavy. Eighteen XX. This is this is as heavy as eighteen XX to me, and as punishing. But eighteen XX can take six to seven hours. This is a this is three hours. I don't even even with some AP. This is three hours. Yeah, this game. Um, you because you have twelve different engineers in order to take your actions, and sometimes you're spending one, sometimes you're spending three yeah. in order to take your actions. Though, but your turns are relatively quick. Like we're gonna play five uh, rounds. Yeah, and you're gonna take seven or eight turns each round, and so it can often move really quickly. You're you are never just sitting there waiting to go on other people's turns. I find myself being really involved with trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Yep. It's almost, I start um, lining up my moves almost like as a computer program mm -hmm. of, because you need to be thinking about, I have these 12 actions, you know, what do I want to do? Yeah. Ideally, what Parsing am I going to do when my plan gets screwed mm -hmm. when Jesse takes this, you know, mm -hmm. this thing bef before me and I will. Yeah, because you you can't just you can't just play this head down. You do no, need right. you do need to obstruct a other lot people's of interaction, games. a lot of interactions. Um, 
there is a big amount of I will drink your milkshake yeah. in this, this game. This game could also a, be called I will drink your milkshake. I mean, <laughs> where somebody's got this big move. I can't wait to move that water in front of that neutral dam. And they miscalculate slightly. And mm. then you just stole yeah, it all. And yeah, they're, yeah. you know. That, that's a good point you brought up. About, I, I'm not looking at my phone while playing this game in between my turns. Yeah, I am not, not. I am like fully invested. And, and that's one of the interesting things. I mean, like during, I mean, by the time it gets to my turn, I'm often like, oh, I wish you guys had taken longer because I need, I need some more time to figure out this nightmare I've created for myself. Well, there's a thing you want to do. And then very often, again, like in a great competitive worker placement game, it is almost like it's more likely that the exact thing you want to do Always. is going to be taken by Always. the player who goes right yep. in front of right. you. And then you have to you know, switch to plan D yeah. at, at that point. Um, that's I, happening all the time. I will say, I mean, this game is very punitive and I have had moves happen to me very early on mm-hmm. where I was like, I, I think this game is over and I think this person won. Like when we played last, I was like, my friend Ben came in. He, I had this great setup, man. It yep. was, I was going to work off two neutral dams and it was sweet. And Ben came and instead of taking a, a, like a different dam or, or trying to block me up here or block another player or whatever, he put his power plant right next to mine. So we're feeding off of the same dam. Yep. So now we are competing for that. Yep. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, and that I'm, was really hard to recover. It's a little, almost a bit of king making, almost because now you two are fighting for maybe third and yeah. fourth, and everybody else gets yeah. to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, let, let before we move into positives, let's go over a few negatives. Um, there's a couple things. So first of all, not all powers are created equal in this game. I'm not of the belief that this is a uh, well balanced game right mm. now. Um, I think with the expansion, you're okay. But I think one of the four starting powers is just much weaker than the rest. And I think USA, which is the power wherein you get one power every time water naturally flows through your powerhouses is almost useless. Um, now, every, 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 so at the beginning of the game, you have two layers of asymmetry happening. You have your nation that you're choosing, your, your, your corporation, and your superpower doesn't get unlocked until you've built your third powerhouse. So you don't even it have may your, not. It may, not it may never, right. Uh, and, and with and USA, there's no reason to, because yeah, it's useless. Uh, you might, you're just playing, you know, Terrans. Um, so if you, uh, once you get your third powerhouse unlocked, your power happens. Now, usually the earliest that's going to happen is round three, something like that. Maybe round four even. You could, you could totally you could focus race it. on it. You could you race it. it. You could yeah. race it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, usually it's going to happen for most people around round three yeah. or round four. Yeah. Um, USA's superpower requires you to plan much of your strategy around that superpower. Everybody else's superpower naturally is going to benefit you by just playing the game. Everybody else just gets to do what they want to do normally. And when they unlock that superpower, they get something awesome. USA cannot play the normal game and then be rewarded for it. They have to play a different game to try to catch this water. And even then the benefit, I think at their best game is much less than the benefit of other people who are just getting to do what they would normally do and get rewarded for it. I think USA is hard mode. I think if you had three new players and one experienced, give them USA, that might handicap them a little bit, might make the game a little bit fairer. I also just think you just don't use the power. So you're basically just playing a neutral corporation without a superpower. Um, the expansion has a power that is good. That is, I think, Netherlands, uh, yeah. Netherlands, which is totally, I think, equal to the others. Um, if I was playing four players, I would just ditch uh, USA and just play with those four. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Yeah, this has been a topic on uh, on the forums. I'd like a few more 
I, what, yeah, I'm not of, saying it's have done, called, but I'm pretty convinced. A lot of people have called for kind of like the designer to just kind of say, hey, this is how I envision this yeah. working. Because like yeah. right now, everybody's having trouble visualizing how yeah. that power is supposed to be as rewarding on anywhere the level of of the other three. What's your thought? What do you think it would be? Like how, what would be the best scenario in using that? You'd, you'd have to like maybe start putting your power stations higher up. Yeah, just gonna put them up. Um, yeah. And um, the problem is though, is that it's very rare power flows naturally. Water flows naturally. So it's, here's the better argument for why USA, we may not be appreciating how good USA is. Because every board is different. It isn't just the superpower you unlock. It's also what are the rewards you get when you, right. like when I get my second the, the down. The unlocked incomes are, are different on yeah, every you, and they're different on every board. And so I think, although nobody has actually said, yes, the USA unlocks in these other categories yeah. are so great that it makes up for a lackluster That's superpower. That's what I was wondering might be the answer, but that I don't see it. That would possibly be the answer because they are very different. I'm curious. You got them right there. You should. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I, I looked at them last night. I don't think they're don't, much better than anybody else's. I, I don't see that they're better. I mean, if they all gave you workers early or something, maybe, but they, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem insanely better to me that's so, it i was in second place only off by two points but you also never use your power you were playing you were playing neutral corporation yep. with no power you never and it also it. worked out i went first and the assistant you probably would have won if you had had somebody with an actual power <laughs> who, who knows and then the you know the way the game works is at the beginning uh, an assistant gets paired up with the, the right. nation so that is the other level of asymmetry and tell us about the assistants so the assistants have their own superpower which is available right away and so, in and how opinion, many are there in the? Do we have? Uh, I'm looking here. We, we're playing with the expansion now, so it looks like we've got about nine or ten right. different. Uh, so there's yeah. ten different ones at the beginning of the game. They get randomly paired up with the country. So every game you're going to have a different sort of like scythe. You're going to have a different combination of your player board and then a, a, a adjoining power. Yeah, and like Gaia Project, you're going to. Um, you're going to have a start player and then people in reverse order are going to pick which nation they play with in you know, an assistant will be matched up with that. They'll take an introductory contract. So in my case yesterday, because I'm going first, I have no choice. Yeah. I just get what's left. And so that was USA. And then my assistant, I think was also what I would consider to be underpowered. And in mm -hmm. fact, it was one that had no symmetry with my yeah. nation power opposite yeah. either. So I already on the forums, I think a lot of people are talking about house ruling USA. I think my suggestion was just like, let's play with all five in a four player game. And so that you can always just, like, yeah. And one of the house rules I saw on, on BGG for that was how about just one power every time it moves through a powerhouse, even if it's not uh, naturally moving through it. I, I haven't played the game enough to, to say hmm. what, what that is. I don't I know. Maybe that, I mean, it's still at most 20 power throughout the whole game. I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of yeah, water and, moving and through like, here. Energy isn't, is not created equal either. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, energy on the energy track that you are not using to fulfill contracts is not as valuable. Right. Yeah. Just so, getting it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, the, it's not that. Yeah. And in fact, it can hurt you sometimes getting one power. What I, sometimes you'd rather have the zero energy right. and get the three money, totally. especially early on in the game. So we're, we're getting into the weeds. So, there. so uh, that's one negative for me is uh, balance. The other negative is something I already brought, which is that this is not a fun game to play with people who haven't played before. I, at this point now, I've played it six times. I would not want to, I would not have fun playing it with a new player. I just wouldn't. It's not. It wouldn't be competitive. It wouldn't be fun. Whoever, it would be a lot of king making involved in it. Whoever is, you know, so one person is going to benefit highly from that person's mistakes, and that's going to decide the game most likely. So much like playing Age of Steam, like 
it's not a game I want to play with new players because it's not going to be fun. And it's a lot of effort and work to not have necessarily a fun experience. I'm going to take the other side a little bit just because, you know, uh, Jake is probably our least experienced gamer in our group and he loves this game. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, he's also played it like twice, twice now, yeah? He's played, he played it yeah. twice. He's he was also very, looking at his phone most of the game. He was... What? He was... He was playing an app game on his phone, but oh, most, I didn't of, most of the game, and he wasn't he came, really he, thinking about what he was okay, doing. Okay, he came in third. I think he felt like he was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, like There's some games like I, I like playing um, Ticket to Ride with family groups a yeah, lot of yeah. times because you can play that with a lot of mixed-level skilled players and kids, even if they're not playing in, in it for the win, they feel like, like I'm, con- I'm converting, yeah. I'm, making, I'm laying real, I'm converting things, I'm building right. my network, this is my network, it feels good, you have a presence on the board, Jake had a yeah. really intricate series yeah. of dams that was really um, rewarding, and it was just kind of like, a, a, he was having trouble converting that to points, right. but he still had awesome things to do, yeah, yeah. and so I know he really enjoyed yeah. the game. That's a good point. Yeah. So I didn't notice he was looking at his phone. So. Uh, negatives? Any other negatives, guys? Well, you know, the first couple of times we played this game, I'm, I don't know if you were part of this conversation, Matt. Um, we were wondering, is this uh, in unbalanced for four players versus three? After after Good. playing, I'm glad more, you brought that up. Yeah, after playing more, I'm not sure, but let me just yeah, tell, tell me why. Yeah, the start, the setup is you're going to get three. Um, three dams that want, you know, a f- one level, a two level and a three level, and they're going to be placed at uh, different elevations and different lanes. Right. Okay. And it's randomized. randomly set up and they're right. neutral dams. Nobody owns them. So you got four players uh, and you got the first three players, which are, they're each probably going to pick, you know, the sweetest spot. And, 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 and Trey's shaking his head. <laughs> um, and actually Trey deviated from that. Did you go last when we played? Third. Uh, you were, you were so first you in opted not to take a spot. Let, let, me, let me finish my first thought, yep. and then I want to come back to that. Sure. Because um, I'm glad you did that. Um, so uh, the first couple times we played this game, like I, my first time, everybody took a spot, and then right. I had nowhere to go. You need the quick water off the neutral dams. So, yeah. So, yeah. This is the low-hanging fruit right. from right. the initial setup. Of early, right. game, early game energy. And especially for my first game, I was like, well, I guess I've got to zag and invest in infrastructure, and I'm not going to get any energy, and, you know, we'll see how this goes. Um, but I don't know. I thought, is it, is, it, is it broken, per se? And that was an early thing, and I'm starting to think no. Yeah. And then, then you know, Trey being in third position, chose specifically not to take one of those stations. And I don't think that what was remaining was, was as um, titillating as like my position. Um, but you chose specifically to, I'm going to zag, and I'm going to build this infrastructure. And uh, I forget, what did you invest in first? A power. Well, uh, a special action power. Right. To so spend, there are... Spend five right, coins yeah. and I got a special... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I played the game once before with a group um, on Tabletop Simulator who had played the game a lot, and I knew how powerful mm. these kind of like special actions that right. you buy. So when you build are, a building, I think those are expansion. Actually, no, that's part of, the, part of the base one? game. It adds every, a few more. every round, every uh, turn, there will be three special actions yeah, yeah. that can be purchased that you then have as a as like a superpower yeah, yeah. as you right. go forward. These are tiles the that you are required to put into your wheel when you build a building. The ones you start with have no powers you can buy ones that have special powers and they're super powerful. So in my mind, these are the occupations you right. know, the, from Agricola. This is action efficiency. The, yeah. Right. And I think those need to be, those should be highly competitively yeah. sought after. And so I think like your idea that, the, that there's some kind of auto moves at the beginning here yeah. is not the, the case at We're, all. It's and, start, if, starting fact, to seem like the auto turn, the auto, the auto move is taking the be best grabbing technology. A, well, yeah. and also in that first round, uh, you were rewarded 
for taking those, uh, you'll get a bonus if you can produce energy. The people who took those, because uh, there was none left when I was got around to, to buying them, but the two people, you and Ben, who bought those, all of them up, couldn't actually produce energy to get the bonus. But there was more incentive to get it in the first round, if you remember. Yeah, I think you know, in a worker placement game, it's just a question of like, are we actually having difficult decisions here and there's not autoplays? And I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not sure that there are autoplays in the game. I, you very often are having very difficult decisions about... Yeah. Well, I think there's three really interesting strategies in this game. I, think, I mean, I think there's an early game, a middle game, and a late game. I mean, I think and they're both really equal. I think there's a totally solid game where you are just crushing the early energy game always at the front for the first two rounds, getting that six points and getting, you know, another four or eight points off of the, the round scoring and scoring 30 points, but you know, by the third round, but you are not developing infrastructure. You are just, you're running power for the first couple of rounds and getting the low hanging fruit and just winning that game. And then hopefully you've built up enough of a lead that during the, the, the next few rounds where you have to actually start building infrastructure, you know, you've still, that lead is not is insurmountable by other people. Then there's a game where you just play a balanced game and you're going a little bit of early, but I'm also building infrastructure. Then there's, Forget the early game. I'm going to produce no power for the first two ages probably, and but I'm going to have an insane late game. And I think those right. are all three completely yeah. valid strategies. I will say this is a really interesting balance of strategy and tactics. Um, it is a really important to plan ahead in this game. You must strategize like t- turns down the road. Yeah, the same checkers, it's chess. And, you, and not just for yourself, you've got to watch what other people are doing, turns down the road, and plan for that. You're constantly racing. But it's not just strategy. There's a lot of tactics involved. There's opportunities that comes up, uh, and you've got to seize them. So it, it really is an interesting balance of those two dynamics. Want to talk about the expansion? Yeah. Um, somebody else tell, tell us all about it. Okay, so we... This is only my second play. The game, the, oh, third the play. Kickstarter game came time. with the expansion. That was part of the, the bundle I bought. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, they'll be coming to retail, I believe, by the end of the year, and, and you'll have to buy the expansion separately. So my first game was on Tabletop Simulator. It didn't have the expansion. Yep. It was an excellent game. The expansion makes it much better. Yeah, I think there is. this is a game I would never play without the expansion with. Yeah, so it, it not only introduced a fifth nation, probably a couple of additional... Which replaces a broken one in the core game. But it also introduced uh, kind of like two new sections of the mm-hmm. board, one of which is that you can buy private buildings. Um, so you can kind of purchase something that's going to give you a power, which you can take an action in in the future. And... Um, these can be very expensive. They can give you in-game points, but the powers are also um, very good. Yeah, they're and better than any other spaces you could put your workers so on. So they're very tempting, and you're always kind of wondering, can I possibly afford to per, you know, buy into one of these private things? They're the way big it works resource is dumps, though. One, big resource big dumps. Big resource dumps. Everybody can own these things, and once you have them, you can kind of do the, the special power. Um, very cool. Then they do another thing, which are like offsite works or something. Yeah, you're sending your workers away from the Swiss Alps. So, and these, never this is crazy back. because the way this works is you can, uh, as opposed to your private wheel where you spend your workers and they kind of are tied up for a while before they come free again, this is I'm going to spend my workers and they're going to go away forever. Bye-bye. But the benefit I get is really... Is massive. Significant. Yeah. And, but am I screwing my ongoing engine... Right. For short-term gain. And, they're um, great in the late game. They're really great in the late game, but I also found playing the game yesterday yeah. is there were times where I got stuck. Yeah. And it was worthwhile to me to kind of destroy some of my future How engine. many did you take throughout the game? Three or four? Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, how many, how many workers do you think you got? I mean, were you out of workers by the end of the game? I had 
gone through about half of them, yeah. especially. But you get late in the game, you do just start to burn them because there's yeah. less that they can. Yeah, you built all the expensive things. Do so, just it added a a whole other layer to the game of I can destroy my engine for short term <clears throat> gain, but sometimes that short term gain is completely um, worth it. Yeah, and it's a it's a difficult decision, but it's often the right time, and it just it it uh, helped loosen things up. Yeah. For me, where because like I think yeah. you can get stuck in this game mm-hmm. where like oh all of my workers are committed to my production wheel and I can't even afford to turn it and I'm kind of done. Right. Yeah. And, and your special power, your nation, I believe when uh, we wh- played, yes. when we played, was conducive to the the expansion, I believe, right? Absolutely, because you didn't have to lose any workers. That was my special power. Is that when I take one of these offsite works, rather than spending them and then burning them, they would actually be committed to my wheel, and then I would get them right. back later. That seemed like a very powerful assistant yeah, yeah. power. Um, it was an assistant power. It was an assistant okay, power. It's it. not a national power. Right, right. It's an assistant yeah, okay. power. So, yeah, uh, right. go ahead, and I would say anybody listening in who's going to get this, you, you want to play with the expansion. I think it's worth buying along with the core game uh, 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 for two would reasons. Would we recommend, like, your first game should you play without the expansion? No, I'd play with... I don't think it complicates it very much. I mean, it's another two minutes of rules explanation on top. I mean, this yeah. is a one it hour a, teach. It's a lot. And I think the expansion <laughs> is a one hour, two minute teach. So I don't think there's a big difference. I mean, right. the, the spaces on the expansion are no, no more complicated than any other space on the board. There's just two more of them now. I think this is a one hour teach. It does also open up the options though. And like, uh, yeah, totally. In, in, in a, and I think it's not an exponential way, but kind of, I like, think it actually makes the game easier too. It's a little more, I think there's, a, there's more options. So there's more ways to get out of stuck situations, yeah, like said, which, yeah, which could actually bit. help with a new player. I mean, I think in the, without those places, sometimes you're just, well, I don't have anything to do this round, you know? And there's more opportunity to combo. Like oh, you, yes. you can That's build right. a yeah. kind of a combo engine out of those, um, yeah. those private I w- buildings. I would, thing. I would, I would consider it the real game, the full game. Okay. So for me, this is, Clearly, the best game of of the year. Yeah, yeah. let's so, get into our so, positive thoughts. So, so, so right. Tell us, tell us. Yeah, I mean, that, that, we clearly all like it, but let's discuss how much we like it. Um, this is this goes in my top ten immediately of all time. Yep, fart in a tree. That's what I say when I can't curse. I mean, wow. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. I, 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 I haven't fully thought this through, and I want to like sleep on it. But the only I other think time about this I've game. heard you say that, Trey, is the Gallerist when we played it, and you went after one game, you went top ten of all time. The yeah. only other time I've ever seen you play it, say that. Let's Sorry, Jesse, cut it. you off. No, no, um, I, I, I don't disagree with it. I, I, I have to analyze it a little more, you know, what my top 10 is now, but I could easily, I could see this up there. I it, love it. It's, uh, it also, it's my kind of game. It's yeah. worker placement, it's engine tough, tough decisions, a lot of interaction, a lot of, and I mean, kind of like good conflict. You know, we're, I'm not destroying your armies, but I right. am drinking your milkshake. Yeah. That, that, that you know, we're constant. There's just so many things to consider, and no different ways that uh, we're interacting both on the board and competing over the action spaces. Yeah. So this is this is definitely my kind of mm. my kind of game for the people who have liked Agricola, probably played Terraforming Mars, you know, and have played them a lot. This will be one that I think will become part of your your collection. I, I and played, played a lot. I played I played two new games to me this year that have blown my mind that made me go. Wow, I this is I've never played this, and I've been playing board games a long time. The first was Chikarion, which is not a new game this year, and now this one. Those are the two games I played this year that went, oh, this is this is this is a this is a new step in design. Yeah. This is a, a, a growth beyond what I had thought was possible in design right now. Yeah. Or, um, I'll give you one quick story to tell you how I feel about it. So last night, um, when we were deciding what to play, I almost as we were setting this up. 
I almost said, I don't think I have the energy for this. I was exhausted after a long work week and I almost wanted to pull an audible. There was a moment where I was like, this takes too much energy out of me. And what it did though, we started playing and it energized me. Mm. It is an exhausting game. It is mentally exhausting, but mm. it is so interesting. Yeah. It lit my brain up and yeah. it actually woke me up yeah. and I was fully engaged and I wasn't brain dead exhausted from the week anymore. I was fully awake and loving every second. I mean, I, I, I don't, the game we played last night, I enjoyed so much. It would be in like my top 10 gaming experiences I've had, which is crazy. Like we just had a random Friday night game. I, I was, I almost cursed again. I was so happy playing the game the whole time. Mm-hmm. I came in third, but I was like, I played my best game I've ever played of it. We were all within a few points of each other at the end. And I felt, I felt a victory because I've been fighting against this game for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I feel like I'm not good at it. And last night, it, like I grokked it, it clicked for me and I had such an exhilarating experience playing it. I think just immediately setting up the board, you start to go, you start to look at opportunities and then, you know, you're, you're putting out the round bonuses and you go, okay, uh-huh. And then you look at the contracts and you start to go down a path and you start to make connections. And this game is constantly doing that with putting out new things and not too many things, but just enough when you go, oh, okay. And then they're doing this. Okay. And there's a constant boom, 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 boom. It's just, it's just a great ride. Yeah. This game has me like thinking about it in the shower, the way mm-hmm. that few, few games do it it, it sticks mm-hmm. with you it was also like just what you were saying like i was the first player in the game um last night and like we had a whole setup and i i did just say like i'm gonna need five minutes here oh yeah no <laughs> we all you, this is like you need to like nobody look at me nobody talk to yeah. me i need to just take in this board for there's five a minutes. lot to take in right at the beginning of kind of like okay what am i going to try to do because you're making big decisions yeah. right off yeah the bat. like you said where you place that first power station could yeah. be everything or not place it and (laughs) decide to go you know different path this is a big game this is a heavy game but if you have a group and i think if you listen to this podcast you probably like at least medium weight games um if you like heavy games this is as good as the genre offers in my opinion this is as good as the medium offers in terms of heavy games this i I, i'm not ready to say it's in my top 10 yet but it's in my it's 100 in my top 15 or 20 (laughs) it's probably in my top 10 i don't know i need it it takes me a little while to get there but It's um, it's mind blowing. It really is, and and, and and I know we do we do a but lot you're of positive. Excited to play this again, totally. And that's and another again, thing. You know, like, I kind of want to play it right now. That's <laughs> another thing. Like, this is not a solvable game to me, and this is not a. There, there. What I love about Kickstarter is that we have we've got we have an ab- ab- abundance of riches here, an embarrassment of riches. We have so many powers and so many different ways the game will be variable every time, and so many different. You know, I, to me, there is enough variance in this game where it won't feel like the same game ever yeah. in two games. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of positive reviews on this podcast because we're enthusiastic about it. But I think this is to me this is. Of all the reviews we've done on this podcast so far, this is the first game that I've reviewed that just, to me, is I, I, this is an A+. And, and I particularly wanted to review this one because of the low ratings on BGG and that whole controversy. Yeah, it and deserves... Like people need to know about this game. This is a really, really great game. No, this is an important game. This is a game of the year. This, is a, this, is, this deserves to be in the top 50 on BGG. This is yeah. from a design, uh, like when, when we, when we t- look at Simone Luciani's designs and I'm not to undo what Tommaso Battista did, cause I don't necessarily know how much each of them did on this, but I only know Simone Luciani's other work. Zolkin, Voyages of Marco Polo, Grand Austria Hotel and Lorenzo are all top 100 games on BGG. I think they're all top 50 games on BGG actually. Um, is this his best game? 
Um, it is. It is for me. But that's a that's a great list. So like, it's an insane what, list. It's like them. yeah. It's like looking at like Spielberg's you know nineteen eighties movies and trying to figure yeah, out which for is me the best. L- Lorenzo and Marco Polo and Zulkin are all top twenty games. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, nuts. I haven't played Zulkin, um, uh, but of the games I played, and I love like Lorenzo would have been my favorite of of, yeah. of that group. But I think now Barrage. This is also a huge. I mean, this is. This is twice as heavy as those games. <laughs> like, mm. I, I mean, it depends if you're playing with the expansion or not. But it's, Zulkin is the heaviest he had right. before. Uh, Lorenzo, to me, is the perfect middleweight game. To me, it's, it's, it's the perfection of medium weight Euros. It's much more accessible. Yeah. Uh, Marco Polo is, is a little bit heavier, not quite at Zulkin. To me, this is a couple steps ahead of anything else in terms of, of weight and heaviness and calm. I mean, this is, a, like I said before, this is a one-hour teach. Think about that. A one-hour teach. That's is a it, long teach. Uh, one-hour teach. Look, we have a very special group, but we play a lot of heavy games. So I can, I can, I can teach this to us in 30 minutes, but I think a 30-minute teach yeah. in our group is an hour long. I also think in, that this is a, your it's average fun to, to teach, to learn, and, and to understand what's yeah. happening. If what you, is you difficult, I think, what I think is difficult is the understanding the implications of any of these interactions where you're placing dams and the conduits and, and how it's going to be transferred to energy. You don't understand that until yeah. you play the game. Yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. This, I, you, you don't, you can't play this game until you've played this game. I know. Absolutely. I know also what Matt is saying. Like, I mean, when you first look at this map, so people, if you guys are listening to the podcast and you can just go and look at the map at yeah. BGG, it's busy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad design, but there's a lot to take in and I don't feel like I have grokked no. this board. No at all yeah like there's still so much to kind of like discover in the board there's just a lot going on there just trying to figure out like where am i supposed to place a dam in this giant <laughs> crazy and map of interconnected lines if, and there's, waterways if there's and, another expansion for this game all it needs is just a new board and that will change the entire game really? just a new map i'd like to see more nations sure of yeah. course like but in I the mean, same way that you like play Gaia Project, map, you'd, like, but, you'd but, love yeah, to have some more a new map would change the entire game yeah, just the, if you just switch the way, uh, so it's super expandable yeah. already. Like we yeah. know, like this will lend itself, even if it is just more maps, more yeah. nation powers, could be, more. Systems. I mean, th- this is a system like Age of Steam. They could just have new maps. I mean, it, it's it's systemable. But but the hardest thing would be adding more nations and assistance the issues. The yeah. balancing yeah. of that, you know, as you know, as much as we'd love to all that. Just all right, we've just guys, we've waxed yeah. poetic long enough, and we're going <laughs> long. Let's move into Jesse's section. Jesse, take us on a journey of debate. Of debate. Uh, I guess this is a debate. Are we actually debating? I don't know. Debate debate just means discussion. I'll bring the debate. Okay. All right. Um, This is about what's good for the game. You could also say what's good for the game versus the individual. Um, I I got interested in this. There's been a lot of discussion recently, philosophical discussion about uh, gaming etiquette. For instance, your guys' talk on kingmaking. Right. We talked about kingmaking. We've talked about sniveling. A lot of game (laughs) etiquette has been brought up. Two um, sides of the spectrum, sniveling right. and kingmaking. Sorry about the sniveling, guys. <laughs> Sorry about the snivel. I'm not sure we're using that term right either, but Which that's, one? that's a different discussion. Sniveling. I don't know if that's... Eh, whatever. Um, so kingmaking. So Paul intellectualizing, justifying you know, why it's okay to kingmake. You know, is it going to help my metagame? Should I help a weaker player beat a better player? And um, Will it be funny to watch another player squirm? Um, <laughs> I, I, is this what Paul? I'm not sure. No, this I is think that's Paul an abstraction said. of what he said, but okay, okay. Right. Uh, slightly maybe. But I, I think for all of these questions, you just have to stop and ask yourself: Is it good for the game? Okay. Right. Um, so I think in that podcast you were proposing, you're saying, okay, um, let's say you're about to lose a game, and your best move king makes giving someone giving the win to someone else. Whatever you do is broken. 
is what you're saying. Uh, I think I was saying if you are out of the running, right, and your next move happens to be best for you, but also just decides who wins because it opens up a space for somebody else or whatever it is, I don't think that's broken. I think the discussion was, what do you do in that situation? Do you always play your best game? The answer is yes. Because that's, yeah, that's better sort of for the game. Came, that's sort of what we came to. Okay. Well, I, okay. I, just I mean, that's where I, that's where I ended. I was like, I just, I think it's, it, it's, well, I, what I said was, it's always defensible. If you're always doing what's best the way, for you. Yeah, Paul characterized my, yeah. my position, which right. I can agree. Always, is, you can always, always defend, defend it. Making the you can always make a solid, personally the most a solid court point. case. Yeah. Right. Um, Whether it's the correct uh, thing to do in terms of uh, ethics was what we were debating. So, yeah, I guess for me, it's like, if you're, step into the narrative of the game. If you're Mm -hmm. ever in a situation you're about to lose, you got to think, what would your character that you're playing do? Mm, Okay. They would still try to win. You got to LARP it. Even if they know they're going to lose, they're going to try and make more money or something. You know, they're not all of a sudden going to deviate from that and then take somebody out of the game or out of life, you know, right. So in the the narrative of the game, they may not, you know, if if we're playing, you know, trading in the Mediterranean and you might not know that somebody's trading better than you off in Greece and you're here in Italy. And so you've got to trade your best, even if, you know, in in the thematic LARPing of the game. Or think about it like this. If you had to design an AI, like if you're designing a multiplayer strategy game and all of a sudden your AI is losing, would you program it to go after the, the, the player? Who's, who's still, I'm, but not like play their best game anymore. There's multi, multiple AIs and all of a sudden he just stops playing and just wants to attack you. You wouldn't do that. It wouldn't be a better playing experience. Right. So you but, should, I think that when well, you that, go out, if you're going to lose, then you should simulate. So just, is what you're saying is that Paul is wrong? Is that the position you're taking? Here well, uh, he brought up lots of different points. And, okay. and, and some of them I, I, I completely dis- disagree with. I don't think it's, it, it's good for the game. Uh-huh. And, uh, and some of them, um, look, would I ever king make? I say, if there's a tournament situation, absolutely. Mm. Because I'm going to lose this game. Well, you're playing beyond the single game. Because there's a meta game. There's, a bigger, there's an actual meta game. There's a bigger game, right. And it is honorable, and within it is still good for the game to do something where I'm going to lose this game, or I may actually help this other person win or make this person lose. And I've done this. I've done this in a Catan tournament. Sure. Because I needed to this person to end the game. I will not win now, right. but I'll get second, and, and I'll get enough points. Yeah. And I think that is totally sure. legit. Well, yeah, because you're, you're trying to The, the to real win. game is the tournament. Yeah, the, right. the game is the tournament. So right. totally. I, a kingmaker or the opposite of kingmaking there. And, what and if Paul, you were Paul out? I would say sometimes also, like, I, I mean, we've all been in situations where you find yourself in a place where you are going to kingmake and you have no choice. Like, it's not like I'm choosing to king make. It's like whatever you do is like, you know, Lady of the Tiger here or something. You gotta choose one and it's going to hurt somebody. So what do you do in that yeah. case? Okay. okay, well, let me wait, give wait, 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 let me, ahead, let me jump on that one. So we were playing the Estates, okay? And it was, it was most of our first games. And um, I took no, like, corporations and I was tucking money and, yep. and it came down to Tom deciding, he was in that position, where is he going to give me the win or is he going to give it to somebody else? Mm-hmm. And what did he choose? He chose me. Why do I think that was the right decision? Not because it was me. <laughs> because of what he said, he's going to get more points from doing that, even though he knows he's going to lose either way. This is what... And I, and I, I, think, I think you have to think, like, if this was a tournament, 
this is what I would do. It's more defensible, sure, but it's it's still it's not it's not a black and white ethics issue because it's defensible. You can always say I'm playing my yeah. best game, but I, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had as well, which is what we had in Paul's episode, which is, well, th- there's some gray areas there. Like, you know, there, there is the group, there is the play experience of the whole group. There is somebody who the win will mean more to. There is somebody who has oh, more yeah. invested. There's also rewarding good play. I think this person's played better. If it's completely neutral, fine. But, but, Let's say we're in a Catan tournament, Jesse, okay? And you're out, okay? Doesn't matter what you do. You're out. You're not going to win. This is your last game. Yep. But I can win. Okay? Do I help you, my friend? Yeah. Ew. I, you Ew. know, I mean, no. Uh, no? It, it's tough. No, I don't. I don't know if I would ever admit this publicly, you know, so I'm not, I won't even mm-hmm. say. <laughs> but, but, but ethically, it's I, not I, wrong. I, you're not breaking a rule, you're colluding. Eh, you're point, out. You're colluding. And, yeah. Well, okay, you're it not. bothers me. Okay. And, and um, you know, look, I, I used to play Catan. It happens. Well, what if, oh, what if you have two possible actions left? One helps player A, one helps player B. I'm player B. There, there's no difference. If there's no difference, then I, I have a vested interest in my friend. There you go. I'm going to be honest. Okay, there you go. But I think what you're saying is your starting point should just be like play your best game. You've yeah. got to have to have a really good reason to deviate uh, from that. Yeah, I, it's not making a selfish move. It's not just, and, and I'm going to do something good for him. But then you gotta think about everybody at the table. And if you're in any one of those other seats, what would you prefer to happen? What, what is the more honorable thing to do? What is gonna be better for the game in general, for everybody, for the good of the game? Yep. I'm gonna bring up a point here. Good. We played Dungeons and Dragons together for a while. We had a, a long Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And it was a very enjoyable experience. One of the hardest parts for me DMing was that I often felt that you were not doing what was best for the group in those situations. Yeah, yeah. That you were often LARPing your character yes. and LARPing your character correctly, but those decisions yeah. were often less enjoyable for the group. So discuss that. Uh, you're absolutely right. You basically just said the whole thing. In that moment, um, I don't think I was appreciating the dynamic of uh, you want to move the party in a certain direction or right. something. Of a, of a sort a, a basic story that I'm hoping to tell. And, right. Uh, you know, it's not railroaded, but there, there's a, a slight path. And I wasn't trying to do that too much, or I didn't think, I know that you seem like you encouraged, you, oh, different people can go over here, you're going to go to a dungeon, some people can go this way, some people can go that way, and we did. Yeah. Um, but I, but, and I was also playing my character, and sure. I, I tried to make those decisions, but I think I did that um, too much. I don't think it went crazy too far. No, it but, didn't. But enough where I go, I'm not, it's not good for the game. Well, because I had to go, all right, meanwhile, over here in Jesse, like, you know, and people are just it sort wasn't, of... It wasn't just me. Other people split off and did things yeah, all time, the time. Sure. But, but yes, there was definitely times when I was like, my character would go do this, and I, was, and I think I favored that too much, and that ultimately was not good for the game. So, and do you think there are different rules in D&D? Than, because in D&D, it's really about LARPing your character, but you as the player of that character has to have their eye on the overall experience as well, right? Yeah, you have to find that balance. Which is, which is, but you're saying that that does not apply in board games necessarily. You always have to play your, what your person would do best, not necessarily keeping an eye on the overall experience in terms of how you play. Uh, I think it's both. Okay. I, again, I'm, I, I think. These are different realms. I, yeah. I feel like in, in Jesse's defense, like these are, dif- these are different things. Let me bring up an example that I think kind of goes to what we were just talking about before we, then we can circle back to D&D if you want to. No, 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 no. it was just a, um, I, I think so, the difference is So one thing that was kind of controversial in the Game of Thrones world 
Um, the, it was the little, card game. The card game. The, L- the LCG is okay. So the, it's very common for uh, groups to get together and deck build together. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna work together to to you know, like put together some strong decks for a tournament. And maybe everybody's even gonna play the same deck. Or sometimes they're gonna say like, here are our two decks. We're gonna come in and we're a group. And they maybe even have a name. Yeah. And so you'll get into a tournament with these people and. I said these people like these these are bad people, but like they're playing a different game, which is they're playing the team game of pushing as many people through to the cut right. in the end. And so it would be right. very common for like, you know, like I'm on the verge of making the cut, but what I really need is I need Matt to lose to Jesse in this, right. you know, in the seventh round before we before we get to the cut. And the problem is is that Matt and Jesse are actually on the same team and Jesse quote unquote scoops to Matt. Right. Game starts. Scoops he, means you just say, I, I pick forfeit. Up, pick up your deck. Right. You scoop, you, you forfeit. Matt gets the win. And I'm. That's collusion. But it's also like, but that's kind of like what I realized is like, oh, this is a different game. We are not in an individual tournament right, here. Sure. But it's more like we're in the Tour de France mm. and you have a team here yeah. in which you have a group of people that is focused on getting certain riders through and, and other people will lay down in order to put like their best. Now that's an, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it, I remember having that moment of like, Oh, I'm not really, pl- if I'm going into this game as an individual, I'm not really playing it. Like mm, I gotta, I gotta, right. I gotta team up. I gotta right. ally up because otherwise I'm just going to be, you know, brute forced out, out of the, well, it sounds like they sort of solved whatever issue arose from that with this, with team based version of, of Thrones, right? Which is with the, the with the war form. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like... It's just, a different thing. But that sort of makes that the game. That's also how they address the, the problems inherent in the asymmetry between the houses. Right. You know, there's, there's definitely problems between the houses, but the war format is kind of allows you to address that so that you, you're playing all seven, all eight houses, and um, there's right. just mechanisms yeah. for kind of balancing it out. Yeah. I think that's a great example. I, I think that, um, that it's a tournament structure. It's one. It's the exception where I think that it is okay. I I I think that it is okay. But I remember thinking this is bad for the game, and it is bad for the game in the sense that if you are a newer player and you are coming into that community, you just got punched in the face. Right. And you're like, oh, I never really had a chance because we've got a bunch of teams here that are working together and they're kind but of that, colluding. But that is the game. But that may be the game. And so so then that's the individual who's not playing the game right. They think they're playing the game. It was a hard lesson. Right. Like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to get on the inside right. with, with somebody or else I'm wasting my time. And I just think, like, I think that would push... There's a lot of things in, actually, the Game of Thrones LCG that are not new player friendly. Right, um, right. But I would argue... Great community, but it's a tough break-in, yeah. you know, into that, into that community. I would argue if you just tried to play the individual game in that format, you're breaking the game. It's not good for the game. To just go, you know what, I shouldn't... Like, that's the majority of the players playing the individuals playing as individuals absolutely right. you just come, you're going to Gen Con I'm signing up for the Game of Thrones LCG right. tournament I'm fully expecting uh, uh, Buzz uh, Andreas Aldrin to weigh in here about how I got this wrong but hmm. um, we'll, we'll hear if anybody's actually listening to this from the Game of Thrones I don't know maybe. I'll have to I, I have to think about that but it's interesting it's interesting um uh, so so oh, and by the way I, I would also say that uh, helping a new player win maybe this this is an opportunity where if this literally is a learning game and it's like, I might help a new player beat Tom or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> hard to pass up. It's more important for this new player to feel... Have a um, positive experience. Have a positive experience and understand how to win 
than stroking Tom's ego again. Like, you know, I think that that's actually better for the game. You know, yeah, this is called let, let the Wookiee win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's an exception. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so uh, uh, another topic, um, announcing moves. Mm. Talking about Tom, we were, we were playing. <laughs> uh, you weren't there. It was me and him and Ben at Strategicon. And Tom is a very good player. And he often doesn't like to call attention to his moves. He doesn't want you to see what he's working on. <laughs> and right. I was uh, pointing out one time, I was like, well, you're being a little sneaky with your moves because he was not announcing his moves. He was, and so what for, do you mean? Like what, actually going, I'm placing my worker here and you're not saying correct. what he's doing. He was literally just looking at the map. And then, you know, at some point he did something and then he would sit there and then Ben didn't know it was his turn. He was almost hoping that nobody would notice what he was doing, yeah. is what you're yeah. saying. He wasn't being really sneaky, overtly sneaky, yeah. but he just wasn't really wasn't calling attention to what he was doing. And I, I kind of pointed out, I was like, oh, you're being awfully sneaky there. Da, da, da. And he goes, I'll tell you what, Jess. He goes, <laughs> you're welcome to ask whatever I did, and I'll tell you. <laughs> and then he proceeded to be very like specific about minuscule things that he was doing. Oh, now I'm placing my piece here. It's within the circle. And this is going to activate this. And he started doing that. Okay. So then I go, all right, but what is better for the game? Right. I understand you don't want to call attention to your moves and that's better for you. But think about like, if everybody did that, what are, what are, we, what are we sacrificing here? If you announce your moves, you're furthering, the, you're moving the game forward. Clearly people know your turn is over, right? Yeah. You are, um, there's accountability so you're saying, I'm going to do this and such. I'm going to get these resources. And somebody goes, oh, you actually don't get those resources. You get these many resources. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Right. We are always kind of double checking each other. We should. We have to be. Mm -hmm. It's accountability. Especially with Albert gone. Yeah. Right. The rules player is gone. So somebody's got to do it. And I think it also adds to the narrative of, of the game. There's a story. There's a push pull happening. There's like, if you appreciate this barrage, this, there's a story here. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about it and you say, oh, this is, I'm doing this, this is what happened in the movie. By not announcing it, and you, know, you may not be able to pinpoint how that changes the things, but when you do describe what you're doing, I think it really paints a picture of what's happening and it adds to the excitement, in my opinion. Right. See, see, I thought where you were going with this is like, did, did Tom have any problem with you kind of going, so Ben, did you see what he did there? He just built a dam right in front of your dam. So you see, you see how that's... Did, was it, yeah, he didn't like you pointing out the strategy that, that Ben, if he had known the game better, could have adapted to? Oh, it wasn't that. In this moment, I was literally just saying, I think it'd be better if you announced your moves so we could... And then it maybe, announce your moves or announce when your turn is done? My turn, I, I, I um, really have a pet both. peeve about people not announcing when their turn is done. That's definitely a thing for me. Yeah, I think it's both. It's like, you know, hey, I'm, okay, so I'm going to do this. and da, 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 boom. All right, and then now we know your turn is over because you've done that yeah. and you've got your resources. Okay, you're good. Okay, boom, onward. Overthrowing people under the bus. Paul, you need to call out your moves more when you're done with your turn. That's my, that's my only critique of Paul Satachit. Yeah. Is that I often turn to him and go, can you please let me know when you're done? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm not sure if this is what you're referring to with Tom. At one point, because it was Ben's, I don't know, maybe Ben had played it before, but Tom at one point decided to go, hey, Ben, um, if I were to do this, and Ben's a really sweet guy. This is not, this is not Ben Hoyt. Ben, Hoy, ben Hoyt's a sweet guy. Yeah. But Ben Malakar is a guy who sort of introduced the group very recently. Um, very pertinent to this conversation, actually. Um, and he doesn't want to disrupt you know, the group. Um, and so Tom's like, hey, if I were to, place my pieces here. Um, are, are, what are you planning? Are you planning to do such and such here? And Ben's like, 
oh no 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 I, 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 he didn't even think about it he was like no I, you know I was, I was and I, before he said anything I said Ben don't answer this question Tom make your move and he's like oh, and Ben's like no um, um, you know he's it's just cool, looking at the fun. board he's like uh, no no I don't think so and then and, then, and I'm laughing and then Tom's gonna hold and then to Tom it. does it and then he, and, and so he's got two workers left and I go Ben be, oh Ben hold on here Ben hold you Benny, realize, Benny, 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 Benny. like, because Tom is not speaking up the entire game, and all of a sudden he asks this random question. I was like, okay, oh, I see what's happening here. Ben, do you realize what this is? And I explained it to him, and he was like, oh, oh, he, d- he dug his own grave. Well, and he started to justify why he should do it anyway because he, you know, he's honoring this, and it's like nothing's happened. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to honor that. And like, you know, Tom, you can take your move back. You know, but and then and Ben went back and forth. Back and forth. Literally, he goes, no, I have to do it. I'm sorry, Tom. I have to do it. And then like he goes, a horrible for experience for, for Ben. <laughs> and then he goes, sorry, Jess, I can't. I, I, I can't. I got to He actually went back and forth. Oh, no. And then he ultimately did. I think he did do it. And then Tom later wanted to call a backseas on it. It was, oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, so there was that. We're, but, awful, we're awful people. Yeah. Um, announcing moves. So I will say, like, my friend Ben Mountacar, I, I said, hey, guys. I want to bring a buddy of mine. I don't, I don't, I don't offer this very often. You know, uh, you've never. Um, no, I did. I brought like my, uh, Jesse. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Newman. I like Jesse. Jesse's great. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like Ben really brings this. Like, I feel like he is really good for the game. And I, and I think about like, well, why? Like, well, he's okay. He's competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good. He's a good player, right? Um, so he challenges us, and it's fun. But he's a graceful winner and, and loser. Mm-hmm. All right. He, he listens when the hosts explain the rules. He's, he's, he's engaged. He's actively listening. He's asking questions to further his understanding, but not too many questions to divert the flow of the, of the lesson. Yep. He announces his moves. He's very particular about that. Um, he keeps the game honest. He's our rules lawyer, even if it doesn't benefit him. Mm-hmm. And this is why he doesn't fit in our group. <laughs> <laughs> No, he, there's he, no he, more drills lawyer. He, he did a good, uh, he did a very good teach of uh, Barrage or the expansion, at least when we, we right. played. So yeah, good. No, he's good, a great guy. Good and, guy. And, and definitely going to replace know why you at some he, point. Yeah. Has anything to do with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can joke, but he never needs to be the center of attention. There's more. Are you still going? <laughs> yeah, okay. Did, did you write this. a poem? I did. <laughs> I, I, You're I, just, he, you, you see him as an ideal uh, player. I'm just saying it's a good. I'm I'm glad that this happened all this time because I feel like he is he is yeah I think so. Just to recap: Paul bad, Tom bad, Ben good, Ben good. <laughs> wow, <laughs> did I get it right? No did debate. It? Okay, um, the debate is over. I I think I think you've done a nice job of wrapping up our ethics conversation as a whole in this debate. I think we've brought up a lot of ethics issues, right. um, and I I think you've you've uh, yes I agree that Ben Ben is a a a, a near ideal type of personality to have in the board yeah. gaming community um, in terms of how, or in, in the board game night, I mean, in terms of how he approaches a game. And yeah, absolutely. I think Alfred was like that a lot too. I think he probably was the most of our group. True good. <laughs> Lawful good. Yeah. He was the best of us. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, does that wrap it up for you, Jess? Sure. That yep. was great, man. I really appreciated that. Uh, look, we need more requests to the game sommelier please send all your requests to matthew at gamebrainpod.com we have we have exhausted the mailbag it took like 
five, six months, but we have exhausted the mailbag. So go ahead and send me all of your quests. Let me know what game you're looking for and let my brilliant, beautiful mind find the perfect game for you or your group. Um, that's it, gentlemen. Hmm. That is uh, turn seven of round three. I'd like to thank you both for coming on and discussing this wonderful game. I think we gave Barrage its day in court. It's a little we, embarrassing. We kind of gushed. We gushed, but look, we but gushed. I think it's worth it. Can we play Barrage after this? We cannot. I have a doula coming here right now. <laughs> You're supposed to just say, yeah, we, we should do that, and then yeah. tell me the doula thing. No, I have a doula. What's good for the game is for us to end this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for fair. listening, everybody. Uh, you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You might know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can also find information about all of us at that website. You can reach me by email email at matthew at gamebrainpod.com twitter is gamebrain underscore pod instagram is at gamebrainpod thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or go make some friends with games <laughs>